Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. I hope today is finding each and every one of you well. I do appreciate you for tuning in today. Now, we are embarking on episode number two. We are touring and exploring the message God gave to the prophet Hosea to share with the children of Israel about their apostasy, meaning turning their backs on God, the true and living God. They started worshiping idol gods, gods that were created by hands, gods that were created by their thoughts, in any event, they, they turn their backs on the true and living God. However, before we get started, I want to address a question that was posed to me. It was a question by a young lady by the name of Maya, M-Y-A, via email. Um, most of you know, at the very end of my episodes, I give my email address just in case you don't listen to the tail end of my episodes. It is talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. Now, what I do is receive your questions and I send you the answer via email. I receive questions often. And I am here to help. That's why I am here learning Bible truth. When my show goes off the air, I am still available to answer your questions. Now, this particular question sparked my attention. It was posed by a young lady named Maya, M-Y-A. And Maya wanted to know about hair covering for women when praying. And it was associated with the Corinthian church. So I did respond to Maya's email. Maya is a frequent listener. Hi, Maya. I hope you are listening today. And I'm going to give her more detail. And if any of you had any questions about this, I will answer. Okay. So Maya wanted to know if a woman needed to have her head covered when she prayed, I'm assuming in church. Well, I'm going to read this and give you commentary as I go, because everything is not for us. Okay. Everything is not for us today. So let me read, uh, go to first Corinthians chapter 11 and I will, let me see where I will pick up. Um, verse two. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse two. I praise you 
for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. This is the Apostle Paul answering a question that was asked of him and he responded via letter to the Corinthian church. And for those of you who don't know, the Corinthian church, Paul wrote four letters, but only two are listed in the Bible because they can't find the other two. Okay. They can't find the other two, but Paul is answering this question. And I want you guys to listen carefully. Verse two, first Corinthians chapter 11. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. I'm reading from the NIV, by the way, um, verse three, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Every verse four, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Verse five, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. So I am assuming this is what Maya is talking about, but I want you to read everything. I often tell you guys, don't let people deceive you with a verse or a scripture. Let me keep reading. Verse six, for if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. Verse seven, a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. Verse eight, for man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Verse nine. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Verse 10. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Verse 11. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent, independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. Verse 12. For as a woman came from man, so also man is born of woman but everything comes from God. Now, now you're getting ready to hear a little frustration setting in Paul as he continues to answer this question. Verse 13, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Verse 14, does not, does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him. Verse 15, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory for long hair is given to her as a covering. Verse 16, if anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Now, let me shed some, some light on this. First, we need to understand that the Corinthian church were former pagan worshipers. They were converted over to Christianity after the gospel was preached to them. Paul set up the Corinthian church. Now they were just like any new converts today. If you accept Christ today, you are born again today. Now what, what do you do? You start to learn the will of God. 
That's what we do. We start to learn the will of God and we shouldn't try to figure this out on our own. That's why you need teachers who are going to rightly divide these scriptures and tell you what God's will is for you. Now, one important thing we need to understand first, number one, we are not under the laws of Moses. That was a covenant that God made with the children of Israel 3000 years ago. Okay. And pagan worshipers, which were Gentiles like us, I'm not saying we were pagan worshipers before we found Christ. I've been walking with Christ for 30 years, but what I'm saying is the Corinthian church were former pagan worshipers. They worshiped idol gods, gods created by hands and they had their own traditions. So in their pagan worship, some of the prostitutes, yes, prostitution was part of their pagan worship, had their heads shaved completely. Uh, some of them had their hair uh, braided in a certain way so that we or, or they could know who the prostitutes were. Now, when they entered into Christianity, some of the pagan worship came with them and they had to learn new things. Now, if a man has his head covered, what this is referring to is long hair. People could mistake him for a woman. Now, let me tell you, teachers of the Bible don't just study this. There are a lot of study material that I study. I study each church that Paul and the other apostles wrote letters to. Okay. The Corinthian church, if a man's hair is long, he could be mistaken for a woman. Okay. And if a woman's hair was short or shaved, she could be mistaken for a man. So within this context, Paul is addressing that women should look like women and men should look like men. Especially if you are praying, this has to do with the spiritual aspect of our worship. Okay. That, that is what this has to do with. It has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with their traditions. Now, if you can look at, um, let's, let's go from 13 again. Um, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, when Paul says judge for yourselves, See, this is an opinion he was sharing with them. It had nothing to do with, with um, common practices in the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was something they were dealing with. He was talking directly to the Corinthian church. Now, he's saying, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? And then verse 14, does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him. This is talking about mistaking this man for a woman. Okay. And then he says in verse 15, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. See, she looks like a female uh, for long hair is given to her as a covering so that she can look like a lady. That's, that is what this is talking about, okay? And verse 16, if anyone wants to be contentious, meaning arguing about this, we have no other practice or either custom, depending on um, which version of the Bible you have. Uh, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. This is not a, a, a tradition for the church of God. You can wear your hair how you want to wear. 
However, let me clear this up because I don't want you to misunderstand. You can wear your hair how you want to wear it because Paul is also talking about drawing attention to yourself. Okay. He's talking about, you know, women styling their hair in such a way that she's trying to draw attention to themselves and men as well. You know, we have men with ponytails so long touching the bottom of their feet, but if they are not Christians, look, they are already doomed and condemned. The world can basically do whatever they want. But, um, let me encourage you to feel good about this. Uh, Paul was writing this to the Corinthian church 3000 years ago because they asked him a question about it. Okay. This is not something he just said, Hey, let me just start telling this to the Corinthian church. He was asked a question about it as he always was. He, every time he wrote a letter, he was responding to something. Either someone asked him or someone sent him a letter and asked him questions about it. So he wrote letters in response to the entire church, meaning the assembly of the church, you know, the body of Christ. So with that said, I hope I, I answered this question fully for you, Maya. Um, you can wear what you want, dear, but I will say this. If your particular church that you go to has some rules and regulations uh, it, as it relates to dress code, um, just be obedient. Just be obedient. If you want to wear a hat, girl, like you uh, mentioned in your email, honey, wear that hat. Style that hat and wear it well. But you have to be mindful of your reasons for wearing it. Uh, are you wearing it to draw attention to yourself? Are you wearing it because you just want to wear it? Are you wearing it because it matches what you are wearing? That's fine. But be careful not to wear something, not just um, how your hair is done up or wearing a hat or your clothing, but be mindful that you are not wearing things to draw attention to yourself. That's where the issue come in um, spiritually, because God doesn't want us to do things to draw attention to ourselves. So um, I hope that I answered your question. So guys, let's get this show on the road. I want you to turn to chapter five in the book of Hosea. And I am switching from the New American Bible to the New Living Bible. Okay. So while you are looking for that uh, chapter, while you are looking for Hosea, let me digress for one second and tell you guys why I go so hard after Satan because he is a liar. Yes, he is. Jesus is Lord. Satan was defeated at the cross. He tried to get me Thursday morning while I was on my way to my livelihood. Yes, I smelled something burning. I thought it was coming from the outside, but as the smell grew stronger, I started hearing a popping sound over my right shoulder to the rear of my vehicle. I looked through the rear view and saw sparks coming from under one of my strobe lights. The light uh, on the rear dashboard on the passenger side. So I immediately pulled over, got out the car, ran around the front, opened the passenger side door, looked in the back and I saw sparks coming from my strobe light. So I reached and jacked the strobe light from the car underneath the uh, dashboard. I saw a small flame, so I couldn't put it out. I didn't have a fire extinguisher and I kid you not. 
while I was on the phone dialing 911, it was within a minute and a half, my entire car was engulfed with flames within a minute. And the first thing I did was look up and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me. And then I said, Satan, you a liar. You can't get me. I'm on a mission. I preach the gospel. And I want to tell some of you Christians this. If you are having a perfect life with no interruptions, I'm a little bit afraid for you because Satan don't mess with his own. I'm just saying. So there should come a time where all of us have some peace and I have peace most of the time. Every now and then Satan will try to poke his little head, but he, you can't tamper with my faith. I practice what I preach. I walk by faith, not by sight. I was inconvenienced a little. I'm having trouble getting a rental. I was promised one in the morning. So a friend of mine is bringing me to pick it up. Uh, my sister immediately sent me some money through the cash app. My insurance company is, is taking care of everything. Uh, and I'm getting ready to buy a brand new 20 or either 21 vehicle. So I said that to say this, no matter what you remember, Jesus said, in this world, you shall have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what I live by. And I'm fine. Trust me, I am fine. Now, with that said, I hope you are in Hosea chapter five. And once again, as a reminder, I have switched from the New American Bible to the New Living Bible. Okay. And I am commencing at verse one. Hosea is still getting on the priest. Because they were leading the Israels into apostasy. Okay. Verse one. Hear this, you priest. Pay attention, you leaders of Israel. Listen, you members of the royal family. Judgment has been handed down against you. For you have led the people into a snare by worshiping the idols at Mitzvah and Tabor. Verse two. You have dug a deep pit to trap them at Acacia Grove, but I will settle with you for what you have done. Now, let, let me shed a little light on this. Mitzvah was a site in Gilead. It's on the east side of the Jordan River. Tabor is a dome-shaped mountain in the valley of Jezreel on the west. It was on the west side or still is on the west side of Jordan. Both had become places of adulterous worship. Okay. And the leaders of the land had dug a deep pit to trap people. Um, referring to many murderous or an, an abundance of adulterous sacrifices. That is why Hosea started talking to the leaders. Uh, verse two, again, you have dug a deep pit to trap them in Acacia Grove. And it was led by the priest. Yes, it was led by the priest. So let's, let's pick up at verse three. I know what you are like, O Ephraim or Ephraim. You cannot hide yourself from me, O Israel. This is God talking through the prophet Hosea. You have left me as a prostitute leaves her husband. You are utterly defiled. And you can also cross-reference that with Amos chapter five, verse 12, verse four. Your deeds won't let you return to your God. You are a prostitute through and through, and you do not know the Lord. As in the case of many Christians today, they don't know God. 
They worshiping the devil, but claiming to be Christians. You have to remember that the apostle John wrote in one of his three letters. This is how you can tell who is a true Christian and who isn't. Those who are of the things of the world does not belong to God. If you love this world, you don't love God. You, because here's the thing, you can't serve two masters. This world is of the devil. And I know my sister um, made a comment on her post that I saw yesterday. She said something about she's trying to figure this thing out. Why, you know, why things are so bad. It's because Satan is leading the world. He is con in control of the world. This is why we are not to be associated with the things of the world. You cannot, if something happens in your life, you are supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. Go to the scriptures and lean on the scriptures. You are not to respond the way the world responds. And let me give you an example that most of you can relate to. If you have a daughter and um, you don't know if she's a virgin or not, but you should be encouraging her to remain uh, a virgin until she get married. You don't tell her to take birth control. That's the world's way. God's way, the holy way is to be, is to practice abstinence. Don't have sex at all because you shouldn't be having sex with someone you are not married to. We have a lot of born again Christians who were born again and were not virgins and had never been married. But once you converted over, once you are born again, have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you are a new creation. And now you need to walk like you are a new creation. I hated to digress right there, but somebody needed to hear that. Um, everything you have done in the past when you became a Christian is forgiven. Doesn't matter what you did. You could have had a hundred abortions. That's forgiven. Praise God. God is a good God. Yes, he is. And um, in the message that, that Hosea, that God gave Hosea to share with the children of Israel, you are going to see God is harsh with Israel because he was judging them according to the law. They were under a covenant with him through the laws he gave Moses to give to them. And they broke every law they could, they could break. Oh, yes, they broke every law. So he's dealing with them like this because the law requires him to deal with them like this. So let's continue. Verse five, the arrogance of Israel testifies against her. Israel was very arrogant. Oh, yes. Israel and Ephraim will stumble under their load of guilt. Judah too will fall with them. Oh yeah, Judah and Israel. I know when I taught the um, prophet uh, uh, Obadiah, I think that wasn't long ago. I mentioned that Israel was inside of Judah, but what they, they used to be one nation, but now they split. Okay, they are split now. So let me make that correction now. But you can read 2 Kings 17, 19 through 20 and Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 31 through 35, as it relates to Judah and Ephraim. OK, how God is going to deal with them. Verse six, when they come with their flocks and herds to offer sacrifices to the Lord, they will not find him. Find him who God. Mm -mm. God cut Israel off. Yes, he did. He cut them off right then and there. But God still had mercy. It, that's why it's very important that we continue to read every scripture. Now he's dealing with them harshly through the mouth of Hosea. Now listen, verse seven, they have betrayed the honor of the Lord, bearing children that are not his. 
whose? God's. Pagan children. Now their false religion will devour them along with their wealth. Their false religion. Just like there is a false religion, there is a true religion. I keep telling y'all God didn't create all these denominations. He didn't create all of these religions. Somebody's religion is false. You know what the true religion is? And Jesus Christ is not a religion. It's Jesus. Because he's the only way to get to God. And before I get out of um, chapter 5 or, or after chapter 6, I'm going to tell you about a young man from Nigeria who sent me an email and asked me a question. Hopefully I'll remember to share that with you because I'm going to tell you why it's very important for you to know there is no other way to get to God outside of Christ. Everything else is religion and religion doesn't bring you close to God. It doesn't. Only Jesus does. Let me correct that. Only the blood of Jesus does. Okay. Um, verse seven, they have betrayed the honor of the Lord, bearing children that are not his. I'm repeating verse seven. Now their false religion will devour them along with their wealth. Verse eight, sound the alarm in Gibeah, blow the trumpet in Ramah, raise the battle cry in Beth Avon, lead on into battle, O warriors of Benjamin. Verse nine, one thing is certain, Israel, on your day of punishment, you will become heap of rubble. You can cross-reference this with Isaiah chapter 28 verses 1 through 4, chapter 37 verse 3, and Hosea chapter 9 verse 11 through 17, which we will get to today. Um, verse 10, the leaders of Judah have become like thieves, so I will pour my anger on them like a waterfall. Oh, Verse 11, the people of, of Israel will be crushed and broken by my judgment because they are determined to worship idols. This whole thing is about apostasy, turning away from the true and living God and worshiping idols. Do you know that you can worship a celebrity? Do you know that your God can be a gambling addiction? It could be a drug addiction because Paul wrote it uh, to the church at Rome that whatever you are enslaved to, that's who your God is. So we have to be careful about apostasy. It's not just, you know, turning to rituals and following every pagan worship there is. Because do you know they have people out there worshiping trees? Yes, they have people out there worshiping the creation rather than the creator. That's apostasy also. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. Verse 12, I will destroy Israel as a moth consumes wool. I will make Judah as weak as rotten wood. Verse 13, when Israel and Judah saw how sick they were, Israel turned to Assyria, to the great king there. They didn't turn to God. They turned to a king in Assyria for help. But he could, ne he could neither help nor cure them. Verse 14, I will be like a lion to Israel, like a strong young lion to Judah. I would tear them to pieces. This is God talking through his prophet. He spoke through prophets to his people in the biblical days. Now I will carry them off and no one will be left to rescue them. Verse 15. Then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. We talking about repentance. Okay. For as soon as trouble comes, they will honestly search for me. Now, before we go into chapter six, 
let me shed some light on what we, what I just read, you know, maybe from chapter 11 through verse 15. Now the people suffer because they follow the way of other men in worshiping idols. Sounds familiar today. Mm -hmm. Now, when um, Hosea mentioned moth and rotten wood, that moth and rotten wood both work silently and, and from the inside to bring devastation. It will tear you up from inside out. That's what he meant when he talked about moth and rotten wood. Now, verse 15, having acted as a lion coming out to take his prey, now God will withdraw to his place, which is in heaven and, and leave Israel to consider the consequences of their evil actions. God is just leaving them. He will abandon. He did abandon Israel for a while. They didn't have God to turn to. And let me tell you how this relates to us today. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back on Jesus. We are under grace. They were under condemnation, which was under the law. Grace requires forgiveness, but it also requires repentance. You have to still turn away from your wicked ways. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now God is getting ready to um, lighten his threat in chapter six, verse one. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. This is the mercy of God. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wound. And he didn't injure them physically. God injured them with his powerful and sharp words. Yes, and that's coming up. Uh, let's pick up at verse two. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. That's the mercy of God. Verse three, oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. Verse four, oh, Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asked the Lord for your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. Now, what is Hosea um, talking about? Now, the spirit of this, this response of God toward his sinful people is reflected in Jesus' words in Matthew 23, 37, where Jesus said, O Jerusalem, how often I have wanted to gather your children together, but you wouldn't let me. Oh, boy, I tell you. Israel's show of repentance was merely trans transitory, like a mist of dew. Okay, now let's pick up at uh, verse five. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter, to slaughter you with my words. Remember I said, God doesn't slaughter you physically. His words are very sharp with judgments as inescapable as light. Verse six, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Verse seven. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Verse eight. Gilead is a city of sinners tracked with footprints of blood. Verse nine. Priests form bands of robbers waiting in ambush for their victims. They murder travelers along the road to Shishim and practice every kind of sin. Now we're talking about the priests back in that day. And you wonder why I am so hard on priests today. I'm not going to stop because the devil is a liar. 
The priests misled the Israelites back then, just like they are misleading Catholics today. I want you to tell me one scripture in this Bible and in their Bible, because it has the same books in it where God includes Mary in worship, where he includes the apostles in prayer. Nowhere will you find in scripture that we are to pray to a regular man because the apostles were regular men and Mary was a regular woman. She was chosen among men, uh, women, not above them. That one of the reasons Mary was chosen to carry the Lord Jesus Christ, or shall I say, be the surrogate mother is because she was from the lineage of David. Okay, David and Bathsheba. And the Bible teaches that the Messiah was going to come out of the lineage of David. That's why they say David's son. So we have to rightly divide these scriptures. Mary is not a deity. She's a regular woman. That is no different than you praying to me when I die. Mary is sleeping Jesus like everybody else. Like your mother if she passed away. My mother was a Christian when she died. Thank God. She's sleeping Jesus. I can't pray to my mother. That that's just, it, it is the same. You can't pray to Mary, but yet the Catholic church being told by the priest now that they can pray to pray to Mary. You won't find a scripture in here that supports this. And they use the same Bible because you can't change the scriptures. You can't change the scriptures. They may have a different inscription on the outside of the Bible, but it's the same scriptures. And you won't find one scripture that tells us to pray to Mary or any of the apostles. Let me pick up at verse 10. Yes, I have seen something horrible in Ephraim and Israel. And this is relating to the priest. We just read about the priest in verse nine. My people are defiled by prostituting themselves with other gods. Verse 11. Oh, Judah, a harvest of punishment is also waiting for you, though I wanted to restore the, the fortunes of my people. Oh, before we go to verse seven, let's go back to verse nine again. You see where it says priests form bands of robbers waiting in ambush for their victims. They murder travelers along the road to Shishim and practice every kind of sin. Now, here's the thing, my Lord, the priest, they intended to bring blessing and, and a way of life to those they served. Instead, they took advantage of the people like they are doing today and led them into deadly paths. Now in Shechem, Shechem was a designated city of refuge. Instead became the scene of a murder. The priests were lying in wait to capture people so that they can uh, implement them in their pagan worship. Let me tell you something. I'm choosing not to share some stuff with you guys that involved the um, priest here and the pagan worship. It was horrible. I may share it before we get out of um, this series, possibly tomorrow. But let me tell you something. The priest should not be in the body of Christ today. They were eliminated just like they were defiant against God back then. They are defiant against God today. I will tell you a little nugget. The priesthood was done away with in the 60, uh, 64th century, if I'm not mistaken. And um, if you follow my podcast, you can go on uh, one of my podcasts and follow the series that I taught um, involving the letter to the Hebrews. I give in detail why God did away with the priesthood. Jesus is our high priest today. 
and we are priests. So we don't need priests speaking on our behalf because when Christ died on that cross, the veil in the temple tore from top to bottom. Okay. Allowing us free access to God. So we don't need the high priest going behind the veil once a year anymore because we can go because of the blood of Jesus. We can speak on our own behalf. You don't need to be speaking to a, a priest behind a curtain in it, what they call confessional. You beat and confess the sin and it leads you to jail or either open up something to a man in behind that curtain you've never seen before. And next thing you know, he's knocking on your door. Yeah, yeah, he's knocking on your door. So you better be careful. I'm telling you this. It doesn't matter. You could send me a thousand emails. Priests are not supposed to be in God's house today. So if you want to know which religion or, or denomination is the worst to get involved with today, it is Catholicism. Okay. Because they are telling you to pray to everybody, but Jesus. And you won't find one scripture in this Bible where Jesus says for us to pray to anyone outside of him or God. You pray to God. Jesus said, whatever you ask the father in my name, whose name? The name of Jesus. You won't find one scripture where Jesus showed preferential treatment toward his mother, Mary. Mary was his surrogate mother. It ain't her fault people worshiping her, but that's the mindset of people. Why they won't go through the Lord Jesus Christ is beyond me. But if you're not going through Jesus, you ain't saved. Mary can't save you. Mm -mm. The apostles can't save you. In the New Testament, when people tried to bow down to the apostles after they laid hands on the sick and the sick recovered, they immediately said, get up. No, 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 no. We are men just like you. So if they are saying it, why are you putting the apostles on a pedestal? I, that's a question I'm posing to you. You could send me a, a question in my email and I will politely and respectfully answer it by scripture. Okay, I will send you the scriptures to meditate on. The Catholics don't use a different Bible than we do. What they are practicing is their uh, traditions. They're not practicing what the apostles taught. They made up their own. Why do you think priests are only in the Catholic church or either in a Jewish temple? Hmm. And you see God fussing at Israel right now because the priests were misleading the people and the people were following them. I don't care who the pastor of the church is. If the pastor of the church is trying to date some women in the church and trying to sleep with them, I won't be in that church and he needs to be exposed. I would expose that pastor on all social media outlets. Part, part of my ministry is to expose false teaching. And if I can expose a false leader, I would, because that is exactly what the apostles did. And that is exactly what the prophets of old did. They exposed the priest who were not following um, the laws of Moses. They were not practicing what God told them to do as it relates to his people. And as it relates to his laws, they, 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 what they did was separate themselves from the laws of Moses and came up with their own traditions and their own pagan worship. Okay. Remember Jim Jones here. Remember David Koresh here? They started off as ministers of the gospel. And next thing you know, a bunch of people died because they followed these false leaders. And Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruit. Do you hear me? A tree is known by its fruit. Now, if you're not going to listen to me, listen to Jesus. 
Jesus said, if they ignore you, they're not ignoring you. They are resisting me. So my job is to tell you the truth. I don't care if you don't like the way I communicate it. I don't care if you don't like the way my voice sounds. Stop letting the devil give you a reason not to receive the truth. Okay, now let's pick up at chapter seven. Hopefully we can complete seven, eight, nine and ten. So I'm going to try to at least uh, shorten my commentaries. And if I have to digress, at least shorten it because I want to at least complete uh, chapter 10 today. Verse one of chapter seven. I want to heal Israel. This is the God we serve. Okay, but its sins are too great. Couldn't heal them that day. Healing is coming. Healing is coming. Remember, this is a prophet. Healing is coming through Jesus. Yes, yes. Samaria is filled with liars. Samaria. What does Samaria has to do with Israel? A lot. Let me continue to read. Thieves are on the inside and bandits on the outside. Verse two. It's people don't realize that I am watching them. Their sinful deeds are all around them and I see them all. God is saying you can't hide from him. It doesn't matter what you do just because he's not responding and doing anything to hurt you physically. That's not our God. It doesn't mean he doesn't see it and you will pay for your sins. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, let me reverse to two again. It's people don't realize that I am watching them. Their sinful deeds are all around them and I see them all. Verse three, the people entertain the king with their wickedness and the princes laugh at the lies. Now, the word princes here is representing priest. Depending on what, what version you have, you may see the word priest. Verse four, they are all adulterers. Say what? They are all. You know what is excluded from all? Zero. They are all adulterers, always aflame with lust. They are like an oven that is kept hot while the baker is kneading the dough. Verse five, on royal holidays, the princes get drunk with wine, carousing with those who mock them. Verse six, their hearts are like an oven blazing with intrigue. Their plot smolders through the night. And in the morning, it breaks out like a raging fire. Verse seven, burning like an oven. They consume their leaders. They kill their kings one after another. And no one cries to me for help. No one. No one was going to God for help. Now, now let me shed some light on here from verse uh, verses four through seven. Now, the possessions burn in them. OK, their possessions, that's all they wanted were things, you know, they find uh, gratification in their things, the things that they possessed. Then they quickly return to an endless circle like the baker at, at, at the oven. OK, now, royal holidays such as the uh, coronation day were celebrated with drunkenness and mockery. Now, Israel had entered into foreign alliances and assimilated other cultures. That's what their issue was. They picked up and started developing the cultures from other foreign nations. And they were worshiping their pagan gods. That was the culture of those other nations that they had formed alliances with. And they lost the distinctions 
that gave them worth. Yes, they lost it. You got to remember that Israel entered into a covenant with God through Moses. He, they, they had just violated that covenant from the north to the east and from the south to the west. Further, Israel was like a cake burned on one side and under one on the other, fit only to be tossed aside. Yes, Israel really had ticked God off. Now their alliances, rather than empowering them, have sapped their strength. My Lord, my Lord. Now let's pick up at verse 8 through, through verse 9. I, I um, went ahead of myself and gave some commentary of verse 8 and 9, but you will understand once I read it, that's what I was talking about. Verse 8, the people of Israel mingle with godless uh, foreigners, making themselves as worthless as a half-baked cake. Okay, verse nine, worshiping foreign gods has sapped their strength, but they don't even know it. Mm -hmm. Their hair is gray, but they don't realize they're old and weak. Verse 10, their arrogance testifies against them, yet they don't return to the Lord, their God, or even try to find him. They were just living without God. But the, here's the bad part, like it is today. God was available to them back then, just like he is available to us today, but we don't consult with him. I'm saying we, I do, but uh, generally speaking, but we don't consult with him. Verse 11, the people of Israel have become like silly, witless doves, first calling to Egypt, then flying to Assyria for help. Not, not one time are they consulting with God. Verse 12, but as they fly about, I will throw my net over them and bring them down like a bird from the sky. I will punish them for all the evil they do. Lord have mercy. Verse 13, what sorrow awaits those who have deserted me? Now, this is generally speaking. What sorrow awaits those who have des deserted me? That's today. Those who turn their back on Christ. This is for them. This is how God judged the Israelites under the law. But here's the kicker. If you are not in Christ, you are not under grace. So you will be judged by the law. Doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, you will be judged by the law. So this is also referring to those who refuse God's grace and choosing to put themselves under the law. You right here are being judged. Okay. The latter part of 13, let them die for they have rebelled against me. I wanted to redeem, to redeem them, but they have told lies about me, even lying about God. And right here, I need to digress a little because this is very important. You better be careful what you say about God here and what you attach to him here. Because right here, God says, but they have told lies about me. You don't associate God with your, your sinful lifestyle and your pagan, your pagan living and pagan worship and your idol worship. You can't include God in that. That's the lies he's talking about. Verse 14, they do not cry out to me with sincere hearts. Instead, they sit on their couches and wail. They cut themselves begging foreign gods for grain and new wine. And they turn away from me. My Lord. Verse 15, I trained them and made them strong. Yet now they plot evil against me. Verse 16. They look everywhere except to the most high. 
they are as useless as a crooked bow, meaning a bow that, that misses its mark. Lord have mercy. Their leaders will be killed by their enemies because of their insolence toward me. Then the people of Egypt will laugh at them. Now, if y'all know the story of the children of Israel being enslaved by the Egyptians for 430 years and God sent Moses to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians right here. When the Egyptians see that uh, the children of Israel have fallen and I mean fallen hard, they will laugh at them. Ah, Y'all were delivered out of our hands, but look at you now. That's what God is talking about. And that is the same with those who profess to be Christians today. The devil looking at you and saying, ha, yeah, you Christians. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You're in Christ. Hmm. Now let's go over to Hosea chapter eight. Verse one, sound the alarm. The enemy descends like an eagle on the people of the Lord, for they have broken my covenant and revolted against my law. Verse two. Now Israel pleads with me, help us for you are our God. Verse three, but it is too late. The people of Israel have rejected what is good. And now their enemies will chase after them with no protection from God. Verse four, the people have appointed kings without my consent. And see right here, I need to digress. For those of you who are being lied to saying that God put Trump in office. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Just like here. And it, it's not just in Hosea. Other prophets prophesied about um, people choosing kings and leaders that God didn't choose. Okay. Just like the children of Israel wanted Saul. God didn't want Saul in office to be their king. Or as we say today, president, the, the children of Israel chose Saul. And God told them exactly what was going to happen to them under Saul's leadership. So you better know your Bible. You better know the words of, of God. Let me read verse four again. The people have appointed kings without my consent. There you have it. Not everybody in office is appointed by God here and princesses without my approval by making idols for themselves from their silver and gold. They have brought about their own destruction. Verse five. Oh, Samaria, I reject this calf, this idol you have made. My fury burns against you. How long will you be incapable of innocence? That's powerful. How long will you be incapable of innocence? Meaning you always guilty in everything you do against me. Verse six, this calf you worship, O Israel, was crafted by your own hands. It is not God. Therefore, it must be smashed to pieces or either to bits Depending on which version of the Bible you have, we should be in the same place. Different wording, but we should be in the same place. Now, do you see why I chose the New Living Translation? It does not bite its tongue. Okay. Uh, did you hear what God said in, in verse six? Let me read it again. This calf you worship, O Israel, was crafted by your own hands. It is not God with an explanation point behind it. Therefore, it must be smashed to bits. These things in your house that you worship, that you put before God, whether it's your job or your business or a, an addiction, you need to get rid of it. Because if you are claiming, because see, here's the issue. 
the Israelites were claiming that they were children of God. Okay. That they were the chosen ones. They were at that time, but they weren't acting like it. And you think God is not paying attention to your behavior today and you claiming Christ and misrepresenting him and the people out there know you. You can sit in church like you all miss goody two shoes and um, like you missed the right. But the people outside know you and you are representing Christ. I'm talking about as it relates to us today. You can't fool God. Mm -mm. No, you can't fool God. And the reason you ain't being attacked is because you hanging out with the devil. God doesn't attack you. He attacks you with his word. Okay, that's how God chastens us. He chastens us with his word, his word. If the spirit or the Holy Spirit is within you, you will be remorseful when you hear God's word. But if you don't feel nothing, spirit of God ain't in you. Never was, never was. The good thing about it is that it can be today. Yes, it can be. Verse seven, they have planted the wind and will harvest the whirlwind. The stalks of, of grain wither and produce nothing to eat. And even if there is any grain, foreigners will eat it. See, you can't trust the nations that they had an alliance with was stealing from them and taking what they had. And God was not going to be there to, to pick up the load. Mm -mm. Verse eight, the people of Israel have been swallowed up. They lie among the nations like an old discarded pot. Verse nine, like a wild donkey looking for a mate. They have gone up to Assyria. The people of Israel have sold themselves, sold themselves to many lovers. Verse 10, but though they have sold themselves to many allies, I will now gather them together for judgment. Then they will write. Under the burden of the great king, my Lord. Verse 11, Israel has built many altars to take away sin, but these very altars became places for sinning. Verse 12, even though I gave them all my laws, they act as if those laws don't apply to them. Verse 13, the people love to offer sacrifices to me, feasting on the meat but I do not accept their sacrifices. This is some powerful stuff. You know how they say, you know, this wasn't written in stone. Well, guess what? This was written in stone. Okay. When God spoke through his prophets, he spoke and the prophets didn't lie. Mm -mm. They spoke directly to the people from God. And this is some powerful stuff. Verse 12, even though I gave them all my laws, they act as if those laws don't apply to them. And Christians today are trying to abuse the grace of God, but we are under the covenant of love. So are you walking around hating people? Are you joining and rioting and marching uh, uh, with these Black Lives Matter groups or these um, white supremacy groups? Are you marching with them and claiming to be a Christian? Because if you are a Christian, you ain't going to be out there with any of them. Now, we can pray for justice, but we shouldn't be out there breaking laws. I will not be out there marching for righteousness or marching against injustice without sharing Christ. You don't hear any of them sharing Christ. And the reason Christians are not speaking up about Christ as it relates to this issue is because they are following what the world follows. 
It doesn't matter what the world does. I don't follow the world. If you love the world, the, the love of the Father is not in you. Remember that scripture here. First John or either second John. Re remember that here. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Because I always wonder why I hate this world so much. And God's word came to me. Because the world hates me. That's why. And the Holy Spirit that's within me rejects the world. I don't do anything of this world. I go to work. I have my fun with, with my fellow uh, sisters and brothers in Christ at work. And, and when I see that they are misrepresenting Christ in their words, in their speech, I just be quiet. Or I go to my office and be in my office. But I do know some of them who think that they know Christ don't know him. No, they don't know him. Everything about them is worldly. And uh, I have to question sometimes whether or not God is in them. And Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. If he didn't want us to identify a phony Christian or a phony teacher in the body of Christ, he wouldn't have never shared that with us. A tree is known by its fruit. You know what? A tree is known by what it bears. A person is known by what they do. Yes. Uh-huh. What they practice, that is who that person is. Yeah. Verse 11. Israel has built many altars. To take away sin, I'm reading verse 11 again. But these very altars became places for sinning. Verse 12, even though I gave them all my laws, they act as if those laws don't apply to them. Verse 13, the people love to offer sacrifices to me, feasting on the meat, but I do not accept their sacrifices. I will hold my people accountable for their sins and I will punish them. If you are under the law and not under grace, you will be punished mm -hmm. because the law requires punishment. Grace requires forgiveness. Brush yourself off. Let's do it again. Repent and turn away from what you did. But if a just man, and I'm talking about a man justified through Christ, falls seven times, the Lord is able to pick him up again. And Christ is our propitiation. Yes, he is. He is our atonement. For our sins. So if a Christian fall. And I ain't talking about intentionally. Unintentionally. Because we are in this flesh. We will fall. Make no mistake about it. Our sins are automatically forgiven in the blood of Christ. Now who in their right mind wouldn't want to accept that? huh? Who in their right mind? Now let me finish the latter part of, of verse 13. I will hold my people accountable for their sins. And I will punish them. They will return to Egypt. Now, Egypt is where they were enslaved, where they were treated like animals. And God says they will return to Egypt. Verse 14, Israel has forgotten its maker and built great palaces and Judah has fortified its cities. Therefore, I will send down fire on their cities and will burn up their fortresses. God is mad. Yes, Judgment came under the law. I must continue to say that. But the people of Israel was allowing Satan to lead them. The devil is a liar. And Satan's main objective is to get you to disobey God's word, to get you to question it. Just like when the devil tempted Jesus, he was saying, did God really say? But you couldn't fool God. He was in Christ. And Jesus responded with scripture. That's how you run the devil. Not with your thoughts, not with the way the world views things, but with the word of God. 
Oh, yes. Now let's go into chapter nine. Yes, we probably will finish this within the next maybe 25 to 30 minutes. Okay. Verse one in chapter nine. Oh, people of Israel, do not rejoice as other nations do. For you have been unfaithful to your God, hiring yourselves out like prostitutes, worshiping other gods on every threshing floor. Verse two. So now your harvest will be too small to feed you. They won't even have enough food to eat. There will be no grapes for making new wine. Verse three, you may no longer stay here in the Lord's land. Instead, you will return to Egypt where they will be enslaved again. And in Assyria, you will eat food that is ceremonially unclean. My Lord. Verse four. There you will make no offerings of wine to the Lord. None of your sacrifices there will please him, him who God. They will be unclean like food touched by a person in the morning. All who present such sacrifices will be defiled. They may eat this food themselves, but they may not offer it to the Lord. Verse five. What then will you do on festival days? How will you observe the Lord's festivals? Now, I know I need to uh, explain this before we go to uh, verse six. Now, food touched by a person in mourning is uh, you can cross reference this in numbers 19 verses 14 and 15 declares that things in the home of one who has died become unclean and therefore unacceptable offerings. Okay, now let's pick up at verse six. Even if you escape destruction from Assyria, Egypt will conquer you and Memphis, not Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, will bury you. Memphis, let, let me uh, tell you where um, Memphis uh, was. Now, Memphis was in Egypt and uh, it was a formal capital of Egypt but it had become the main burial place for the children of Israel. Okay. So uh, it says Egypt will conquer you and Memphis will bury you. That was the burial site in Memphis that used to be the capital of Egypt. Um, nettles will take over your treasures of silver. Thistles will invade your ruined homes. Why would you, if you think about the consequences of turning your back on God, I don't see how they did it. And you can't say they didn't know because the prophets were telling them and everything the prophet said was going to happen, happened, going to happen. But when God made man with free will, and I will always say this, free will is something else. That's why we can be judged because we have free will. You, even if you are under grace, you will reap what you sow. Okay. Free will caused them to be arrogant and turn their backs on God. And it started with Adam and Eve disobeying God. Yes. All God is doing is, is looking for people who will worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said. That's all God wants. Can't find one. And it's very hard to find one today. Mm -hmm. Verse seven, the, the time of Israel's punishment has come. The day of payment is here. Soon Israel will know this all too well. Because of your great sin and hostility, you say the prophets are crazy. 
Now the prophets are speaking the truth here and they are saying the prophets are crazy. These were the priests speaking against God's prophets. God didn't use priests to prophesy the future. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. And the latter part of seven, the prophets are crazy and the inspired men are fools. Verse eight, the prophet is a watchman over Israel for my God. Yet traps are laid for him wherever he goes. He faces hostility even in the house of the Lord. If you were telling the truth back then, just like today, it is no different. You are criticized for telling the truth, but guess what? I'm sticking with the truth no matter what. You can say what you want. I've lost friends of 40 years because I have chosen to follow God. And guess what? I'm following God. I'm a minister of the gospel and I'm telling you, I'm sticking with God's word. I don't care what people say at work. I don't care what the false teachers are saying. I don't care what these denominations are teaching. I'm sticking with the word of God, because if you stick with the word of God, you cannot fail. No, I'm going to take it a step further. You will not fail. You will not stumble if you stick with the written word of God. We have more scriptures today than the people did back then. They only had the Old Testament scriptures. When the New Testament came into play, which was after Christ died, because Christ was still under the law, he kept every law that um, was within the covenant of God that God gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel. He kept every last one of them. So we, the Gentiles who were ushered in later, didn't have to keep them. And the Jews today don't have to keep them. But, but because some of them no, I will go as far as saying this because it's truth. The religious establishment did not accept Christ. They still waiting on uh, uh, the Messiah. Christ and came and gone. It's been 2000 years. They waiting on the first coming and Christ already came. The second time he come, he's going to come and get his church. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's going to take place after that, after the rapture? I'm glad those in Christ won't be here, which includes me. Verse eight says that they were criticizing the men of God, which were his prophets criticizing them, wanting to follow the crooked priest. That's what they were doing. Now let's pick up at verse nine. The things my people do are as depraved as what they did in Gibeah long ago. God will not forget. He will surely punish them for their sins. Now you can cross-reference this about what they did in Gibeah by reading Isaiah chapter 31 verse 6 and Hosea uh, chapter 7 verse 2 and chapter 813, you can go back and read that in reference to this. Now, verse 10, the Lord says, O Israel, when I first found you, it was like finding fresh grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing the first ripe figs of the season. But then they deserted me for Baal. Now, it's either pronounced Baal or Baal. Baal is my pronunciation. Um, let me read that again. But then they deserted me for Baal, Peor, giving themselves to that shameful idol. Soon they became vile, as vile as the God they worshiped. Oh, my Lord, my Lord. I want you guys to read Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. Write that down. Numbers 25, 1 through 9. And 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 15. Okay, 
Um, verse 11, the glory of Israel will fly away like a bird for your children will not be born or grow in the womb or even be conceived. Verse 12, even if you do have children who grow up, I will take them from you. It will be a terrible day when I turn away and leave you alone. Verse 13, I have watched Israel become as beautiful as Tyre. But now Israel will bring out her children for slaughter. Verse 14. O Lord, what should I request for your people? That's the prophet Hosea asking, asking God, what shall I request for your people? I will ask for wounds that don't give birth and breasts that give no milk. Now, these are some harsh words um, in, in verse 13. Tyre was a major seaport of conceivable wealth and influence. Yes. Um, and God says that it's going to be destroyed. Isaiah 23. The same fate awaited Ephraim. Yes. The same fate awaited Ephraim. Um, in Gilgal, the place where Israel camped upon crossing the Jordan into the promised land, had become a center of adulterous worship. Gilgal. Yeah. So let's pick up at uh, verse 15. It's depressing to read this. The Lord says all their wickedness began at Gilgal. Yes, that's where it began. There I began to hate them. And the word hate when used by God in the Old Testament means love less than. Okay. I will drive them from my land because of their evil actions. I will love them no more because all their leaders are rebels. They are corrupt. That's what all their leaders were corrupt. And I want you to read Isaiah chapter one, verses 23 and Amos chapter four, verses four and chapter five, verse five. You can cross reference that. See, God doesn't change. You violate his law. That's how he responded back in the biblical days under that covenant, which required judgment. Verse 16. The people of Israel are struck down. Their roots are dried up and they will bear no more fruit. And if they give birth, I will slaughter their beloved children. Now, I know this sounds harsh, but under judgment, God's covenant that he had with the children of Israel. And before I go any further, aren't you glad you weren't under that judgment and under that co covenant? Those who are under grace, we're not under judgment at all. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for his son. Thank God for his son. Verse 17. My God will reject the people of Israel because they will not listen or obey. They will be wanderers, homeless among the nations. Now we have one more chapter. That's uh, chapter 10. Uh, do you hear that? Now, this is all relating to Israel. This has nothing to do with you. If the pre preacher in the pulpit is saying, reading these scriptures to you in the Old Testament, you need to look at him and say, that was for the children of Israel. We are not Israelites, people. We are Gentiles. Saved by God's grace after the children of Israel, the Jews rejected God's salvation plan. Salvation was offered to us, the Gentiles. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. Don't let no one tell you any differently. And when the Jewish establishment rejected Christ, 
because they thought he was coming to set up his kingdom all because they misunderstood these scriptures. They missed the part about Christ having to come and take care of sin first. He had to die on the cross first. He had to be buried for three days and three nights first and then rise again. That was his first coming. They mistook the first coming of Christ as coming to set up his permanent kingdom. No, 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 no. That's why these scriptures have to be rightly divided. Okay, now let's close out with chapter 10. Y'all ready? Verse 1. How prosperous Israel is. A luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the richer the people get, the more pagan altars they build. The more bountiful their harvest. The more beautiful their sacred pillars. Mm-hmm. Verse two, the more God bless them, the more they use their blessings to uh, worship pagan gods. Yeah. Verse two, the hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Verse three, then they will say, we have no king because we didn't fear the Lord. But even if we had a king, what could he do for us anyway? Because ain't no human king more powerful than God. Okay, we need to understand that. All right. Verse four, they spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. That was the covenant they made with God through Moses. They didn't keep that covenant. They violated the covenant. And under the covenant, if you violated one law, you violated all of them. Yeah. So injustice springs up among them like poisonous weeds in a farmer's field. Verse five, the people of Samaria tremble in fear for their calf idol at Beth Avon and they mourn for it, mourning over a handcrafted idol that they worshiped as their God. A handmade man-made image cannot eat, cannot sleep, cannot breathe, cannot heal, cannot deliver. Okay, people. Okay. Verse five again, the people of Samaria tremble in fear for their, their calf idol at Beth Avon and they mourn for it. Though its priest rejoice over it, its glory will be stripped away. Verse six, this idol will be carted away to Assyria, a gift to the great king there. Ephraim will be ridiculed and Israel will be shamed because its people have trusted in this idol. Oh, it's all about apostasy, people. Turning your backs from the living God, worshiping anything but the true and living God. Allah ain't God. Buddha has nothing to do with God. The false prophet Muhammad has nothing to do with God. And do you know that the, the Old Testament scriptures, especially with uh, Moses and Ezekiel is in the Quran, now, the Bible was written 600 years before the Quran. So how you think those scriptures got in there? But they're not worshiping the true and living God. The Bible speaks in another place about uh, it speaks against worshiping the creation rather than the creator. God created the moon, but Muslims worship the moon as a separate God. We should never worship God's creation, such as the moon and the stars and the sun and the universe rather than the entity that created it, which is God, Yahweh. Yahweh is the name God in Hebrew. 
There is no other God, people. If you have to go into the Bible and take scriptures out and then create a whole religion around it, you are a thief. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. He also says in, in, in the gospel according to John that anyone who came before me is a thief and anyone who comes after him is a thief. Mohammed came after Jesus. He is a thief. He is not the chosen one. He was a sinner. I have the Quran and the Hadith here. He doesn't offer salvation. He had slaves. He ordered people to be killed. That's not God. He mentions Jesus, but doesn't tell you the truth of what the Bible says about Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Bible. He tells you that Jesus is just a slave to Allah. Jesus created the moon. So how in the hell? Is Jesus a slave to something he created? I want y'all to tell me that. Now, I don't want to go off on that because I can go for four days on that. Talking about these idol gods here. I'm not afraid to speak against false religion. We just read in Hosea a few chapters ago about false religion. Okay. Didn't we talk about that? Let's move forward with verse seven in chapter 10. Are y'all still with me? Samaria and its king will be cut off. They will float away like driftwood on an ocean wave. Verse eight. And the pagan shrines of Avon, the place of Israel's sin will crumble. Thorns and thistles will grow up around their altars. They will beg the mountains, bury us and plead with the hills, fall on us. Verse nine. The Lord says, O Israel, even since Gibeah, there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. Was it not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Hmm. God said, was it, was it not right? Verse 10. Now, whenever it fits my plan, I will attack you too. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiplied sins. That's all Israel was doing. Sin upon sin upon sin. Verse 11. Israel is like a trained heifer treading out the grain. An easy job she loves, but I will put a heavy yoke on her tender neck. I will force Judah to pull the plow and Israel to break up the hard ground. Verse 12. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness. And you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord. That he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Verse 13. But you have cultivated wickedness. And harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies. Trusting in your military might. Believing that great armies could make your nation safe. Verse 14, now the terrors of war will rise among your people. What people? The children of Israel. Excuse me. All your fornications will fall, just as when Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel. Even mothers and children were dashed to death there. Verse 15, you will share that fate, Bethel. Because of your great wickedness, when the day of judgment dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. Now, that was the end of chapter 10. But let me elaborate uh, on a couple of scriptures uh, for you in 11. 
in their own land, Israel had worked hard and enjoyed the fruit of their work. But in the exile, they will be subjected to forced labor, all because they turned their backs on God. They were going to be forced to work now, even though they were serving a God who had their best interests at heart. They, did, they chose to go and worship pagan gods. Okay, now in chapter 14, where it talks about Shalman, it refers to the Assyrian king. Okay, his name was Shalmaneser, who defeated the 10 northern tribes of Israel. You can read um, that in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 3. Now, saints, that concludes episode two in this three-part series. We will close out this series tomorrow by going over chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14. Now, the key takeaways from episode two is you better be careful who you are following. If we are under grace, we are told to love our neighbors like ourselves. We are told to walk in the fruit of the spirit. We are told to walk in love. So we cannot be disobedient. If you remove yourself from God's grace, you are under the law. Okay, judgment comes with the law. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. I can back up anything I say in scripture. So until tomorrow, saints, we are under this, still under this pandemic. I see the president of the United States and his wife now has the virus. Now, I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm just mentioning that they have the virus. So let me move on. So I want you to continue to pray for peace, continue to pray for healing of the land. In our case, I have listeners all over this world. Pray for healing of the nation that you are a part of, of the nation that you live in. Okay, I pray for peace. I pray for healing of the entire world because the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Only Jesus can save saints. So if you have to go out in public, you need to continue to wear your mask so that you can protect others. And if others wear a mask, they can protect you. Continue to physical distance uh, between six and eight feet away. That's all I can tell you. So until tomorrow, saints, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public, and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now, God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.